has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Light it up. Welcome to Unmistakably Star Wars, your source for a high-quality, informative, and entertaining look into the Star Wars galaxy. So strap yourself in, because here's where the fun begins. (laughs) You may be thinking, that's not Devin. It's not even Jeremy. No, you're right. It's me. It's Carl. Uh, Devin's having some fun. He's, I guess he cares about students. He has actually taken time to really focus on finals and giving grades and actually, I guess, reading what the students wrote. So uh, he's going to let me be in control a little bit. So that's uh, that's his mistake. So I'm taking over. Uh, just like somebody from the, uh, new, the First Order. I'm going to just kick out the old guard and come in with a new. So <laughs> I, I, will, I will try to put in... Some Devonisms. <laughs> I uh, like that Devonisms. Devonisms, especially for the people who have their unmistakably Star Wars bingo cards there. So you know you could fill in with the things Devon normally says. Um, Eve isn't here. I could say that you know she's our Luke Skywalker aficionado, but I can't probably even talk to her. Le- Eve's not here either. So um, what podcast am I even listening to? What podcast <laughs> is this? <laughs> I don't know. We have with us now. When I'm on, usually. Barb, the Canadian, is with us, and she actually was nice enough. When everybody else was abandoning me, Barb <laughs> stuck with me. So, Barb, I'm not going to make fun. Unlike Devin, I'm not going to make fun of Canada tonight. So, well, um, oh, boy. That's right, you're not. <laughs> so, and, and matter of fact, I'm jealous of Canada because I don't know if you you saw this, but there is a giant cave they found in Canada that had been undiscovered. Uh, because it had been under ice and rivers and such. It's in uh, the Alpine Valley in British Columbia's Wells Gray Provincial Park. Have you ever climbed those ca- uh, mountains or gone spelunking in those caves, Barb? Yeah, uh, it sounds exactly like Canadian news. The news that reaches uh, the top of anything in Canada <laughs> is just amusing to the rest of the world. So, yeah. <laughs> well, the best part is they decided, well, they have nicknamed it the Sarlacc Pit. Of and course, so, because you know most Canadians are smart enough to be Star Wars fans. Yes, or write their dissertations <laughs> on the hero's journey. So exactly, uh, exactly. So, and I don't even I, I don't even really know what a dissertation is. So I'm not smart enough to even do one. But <laughs> um, they are. It's a nickname. There's a petition I think to maybe make it permanent. I think they want to be sure that any indigenous people in the area didn't already have a name for that area or it had been (laughs) discovered yet. So they're uh, trying to dot the I's and cross the T's. But they are uh, possibly going to have a Sarlacc pit. So um, if any of you guys could, you know, what would you like to have in your country or your state maybe from Star Wars? What would you like to have, Gina? (laughs) Welcome, Gina Sanders also. I haven't introduced her. Gina Sanders, welcome. Howdy, hello. Um, if you could have any Star Wars landmark in your area, what would you want it to be? Um, this would probably ruin all the agriculture in southern Illinois. Um, <laughs> but, and I don't even know if it counts, but I'll take some um, twin suns shining. Mm. <laughs> probably would not survive. It would probably sunset. be too hot, but I'll take that over this winter cold any day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I'm. It's 40 degrees in Alabama, and I still, I'd take a couple suns right now, too. So, I understand. Um, Meg Z. Cullen is also with us. Welcome, Hello. Meg. Hello. Glad to be back. We're glad you're here. Yeah. You're here. What would you want if, from Star Wars to be in your hometown? That's a great question. I'm a little north of Gina in Illinois as well, and it's just cornfields upon cornfields here <laughs> um so I, I need like something like vader's castle or something just this like <laughs> crazy spire of mountain 
do you want the um, the molten lava flowing around it as well to warm you yeah, up? Yeah, absolutely. And that would really stick out on that in the flat landscape yeah, there. Definitely, so. a lava awesome. moat around the castle. <laughs> Have fun storming the castle. <laughs> uh, Barb, you got stuck with the Sarlacc pit. Is there anything that you would prefer? I, I mean, I'd probably an Ewok village if I had to guess. Yeah, Ewok village. But, you know, given that we're the Great White North, I feel like there has to be something like Echo Base somewhere. You know, uh. something from Hoth. Because every time I watch Empire Strikes Back, I just uh, feel at home with the snow. So that mm. or Tauntaun Ridge. <laughs> that would be nice. Speaking of which, did you see Columbia jackets? Or they've sold some crew jackets or some replicas of the crew jackets from Empire Strikes Back that they wore when they were filming the Hoth scenes. Um, I think they're like $500, and they were limited. Did you see those? I did see those, and I wanted one. Um, mm -hmm. They look amazing. However, I know Eve really wants one, and Eve still lives where it snows. Unfortunately, I live down here in California and miss the snow tremendously. So I have no need for a jacket like that anymore. Well, actually, you wouldn't. That's a collector's item. You wouldn't actually wear it out in the snow, Barb. <laughs> I don't that's know. That's framing. I'd pretty cool if I wore that out in the snow. Uh, you would look cool, but then you would ruin the resale value on that thing. So eBay would just go way down. So... um I would probably, if I had, uh, I guess I would like my bedroom just to be Cloud City. Just, to, you know, just <laughs> it's fluffy a good clouds view. everywhere for me. Yeah. So, and, and just to lay back and, you know, have my own cape closet in there. Just just really relaxing and feeling comfy, cozy in Cloud City. Um, well, welcome everybody. We're going to get started here in a little bit. We're going to do our rundown. We're going to have the top three news stories of the week. Um we have, you know, the Millennium Falcon at Smuggler's Run in Disneyland is complete. And we're going to get our reaction to that. And forget a white Christmas. It's going to be a blue Christmas. That's right. We have some news about Thrawn. And Resistance, the animated series, is about halfway through its first season. They're on a little break until the 13th of January. So we're going to kind of talk about how we feel about that show and where it's going. And then, of course, we'll have our closer look. And we're doing this mini-series that we started a couple episodes ago with What's My Line? And we talked about some of the best lines of Luke Skywalker and a few of the bad ones. This week we're going to focus on Han Solo, or Han Solo, depending on what movie you're watching. <laughs> All right, so let's get with it. And we're going to start with the countdown, Mr. Announcer Man. Number three. All right, so pictures have come out from Disney, Disneyland. The Millennium Falcon at Smuggler's Bay is complete, and it's a one-for-one -one replica. So it's life-size, and it's a it's an interactive ride. So I'm going to start with Barb on this. Barb, just your reactions of seeing those pictures. Oh, I am totally excited. I I was tweeting when I was at Disneyland a couple weeks ago trying to get as many shots as I could of the uh, building of Galaxy's Edge and trying to sneak what peaks I could. And uh, to get this teaser just about the Millennium Falcon, I I can't wait. I was reading, a, I was reading the article about it, and they're saying that it's going to be so packed at first that a lot of people might not even get on the Millennium Falcon ride. And I'm hmm. like, okay. I, it's going to be good and exciting, but maybe I can wait a little bit till the crowds die down. But yeah, I am mm -hmm. I am thrilled to be able to actually walk in the Millennium Falcon. I mean, how amazing is that? I mean that it's kind of a dream come true. I mean, it was I I wanted uh, just one of the original toys when I was a kid, just the Millennium Falcon. That was kind of the the holy grail of of some of the of the toys back then, and that's just something you kind of you know put some action figures in to be able, actually able to walk on myself and look around uh i would love that as well gina jump in here what do you think about the completed millennium falcon i actually just saw the pictures of it for the first time today and i was a little bit speechless when i saw it, it looks so good i can already imagine myself like going on and recreating movie moments like that's the first thing i want to <laughs> do oh yeah and 
looking at the uh, the article, it was talking about there's over 200 controls in the cockpit. So when you're writing this, and we've talked about this on previous shows about, you know, you could have uh, success or you could spectacularly crash depending on how you actually are flying the Millennium Falcon. And there's over or around 200 controls. Uh, Meg, 200 controls, does that sound like it's going to be too much? Or does it sound like it's going to make the ride interesting and you're going to want to come back to try to tweak and hone your skills? I'm going to go with a positive answer and say it'll be (laughs) it'll just make you want to go back onto the ride more and more and sort of like figure it out as you go i'm sure there it's going to guide you um with all of these controls um and it'll be a different experience every time so that is really exciting to me Mm. yeah i think so and it's going to as Barr brought up, it's going to some people aren't even going to get on, mm-hmm. uh, even if they got there and got in line when it first opens. They're going to go through about it says maybe eighteen hundred riders an hour, which sounds like a lot, but um, you know, it, it. I don't know what the average Disney ride uh, cycles through per hour as far as riders, but um, it's I would say eighteen hundred to start with eighteen and a hundred an hour probably definitely will not be enough. Uh, Barb, what do you think about? the rumored host being Hondo Anaka. I actually think that's a really good choice. Um, Not everybody's going to be familiar with him and know who Mm -hmm. he is, but, you know, the inside few that have seen the Clone Wars or Rebels, and he's just, he's got a good, just a good voice for it. It, I think it'll make it really fun. Yeah, there was... um at the Star Wars celebration in Orlando, uh, one of the cosplayers was Hondo, and he kind of stole the show. He got up on the stage and and, and he danced, you know. And the um, the people who were kind of running the pre-show, just you know, the kind of the DJs, just trying to get people in their seats and and entertain them until the shows actually started. They got him up there, started dancing, and interviewed him and talked to him. And everybody was crazy for him as a cosplayer. So a real Disney cast member doing Hondo, I think, sounds pretty exciting. He is a fun character. They made him real fun and even more fun in Rebels. Um, so I think that is a good choice as well. I don't know about the the, the planet, though, Batu, or any of you familiar with Batu, or what impressions about the planet we're going to be on being Batu? It was um, in the most recent Thrawn novel, which I haven't finished yet, mm-hmm. um, but it does take place on that planet. So it, from what I've read so far, it sounds really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it be, I think it's in like the outer rim part of the galaxy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of kind of a border area between known space and unknown space but go ahead yeah yeah so i think that's really interesting i'm you know obviously there's a reason they chose that planet and it's kind of creeping up in other things so i you know i kind of hope there's some like easter eggs within that you know part of the park i'm I'm sure there will be um i just am curious to see what they will be yeah I, i read that novel also and they kind of made Batu sound like just kind of one of the like worst planets you could even be on. Not very exciting anyway. But I kind of think they didn't want to have a, a. I mean, me personally, I would rather maybe go to Coruscant or somewhere like that. That seems to be a, a bustling um, planet with lot lots of things going on. But I think maybe they intentionally took it out of the more known areas so that um, whatever they did with those places in the movies or in the literature didn't kind of cross over into what you expected to be there when you showed up. So being a lesser known planet, uh, I think gives them freedom just to have fun with the smugglers run and not worry about crossing over into other um, media. And also, I guess if we're doing a smugglers run, I guess some out of the way, uh, you know, outer rim planet is maybe where a smuggler would rather be as opposed to being on Coruscant or somewhere like that. So I think it'll, I think it'll be interesting. I agree with you, you Meg. All right, let's go on to new story. Number two. Number two. All right. And as Meg just mentioned, uh, their Thrawn alliances, the second in the new canon of Thrawn novels by Timothy Zahn, uh, included Batu, and now we are getting news that there is going to be a third book 
in this series. It's called Thrawn Treason. So, uh, Meg, since you have read or are almost through the alliances, what do you think about Thrawn Treason? Well, everything comes in threes in Star Wars. So this was, I think, a natural um, culmination of the story. And knowing what happens um, to Thrawn at the end of Rebels, Mm -hmm. I think it'll be really interesting to get a little bit more insight um, to Thrawn during that time. Um, Because this does take place, I think, during the last season or at some roundabout area so i'm Mm -hmm. excited i'm excited to hear a little bit you know more about what's going on because i don't think he was in a whole lot of episodes in that last season so Mm. get a little more information so gina is this thrall novel this third thrall novel interesting you at all no uh unfortunately not Mm -hmm. although i'm happy for people who do like thrawn um i did watch rebels Mm -hmm. and unfortunately his character didn't do it for me. I think the cover um, art looks insanely cool um, and amazing. And maybe one day, I think, I'll visit, you know, the trilogy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But at this moment, his character just does not inspire me to do anything. (laughs) Okay. You said, and this is, I want to ask you about this a little bit, because you said you saw him on Rebels. What was it, or can you, is there anything you can pinpoint in Rebels that made you not, you know, just engage with the character? Um, believe it or not, well, no, and I think that's really, really the issue. Uh, for me, Thrawn mm-hmm. is very forgettable, um, and mm-hmm. he, I'm sure he is a, um, intimidating villain, and I'm sure he's done questionable and terrible things, but he did not, I guess scare is the wrong word, because I don't want to be, like, quaking mm-hmm. in my boots scared, but he just didn't sell villain for me, um, the way that, okay. like... Um, Palpatine does or Vader does or Krennic did um, so yeah he, he had forgettable moments for me okay I, I could see that um, and you're not the first person that I've heard say something to that effect about Thrawn uh, I've heard him called unbearable from other people too so uh, the thing is I, the reason I asked you about what maybe it might be because in the novels he's a little bit different than in the in in rebels and so when i was watching rebels i was like oh you know i hated him he's like he's terrible he's, he's he's messing up our our gang here that we love so much you know the ghost crew but in the novels it, he's he's kind of an enigma as far as he is working for the empire he is sworn allegiance to the emperor but he seems to have something working with you know he came from the chiss they call it the chiss ascendancy and so he actually sent uh, somebody uh, who was like a lieutenant under him in the Empire, he 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 developed this guy as kind of a protege and then sent him back to his Chiss ascendancy to sort of be used there. So it's almost like he's mining the Empire for for things that um, he could use or his the Chiss ascendancy can use. And so he seems more likable in the novels than he did in Rebels. Um, so I didn't know if, if that would maybe interest you as far as if he seemed... He he's not coming across as a villain to you, but what if I tell you maybe he's he's actually more of a somebody who can be reasoned with? Because in the in the first novel, Thrawn novel, he actually he he finds somebody who's working against the Empire, and he gives him the option. He sees how talented this person is and incompetent it is, and he says, "Hey, what if I just send you back and you help out my people back home?" And the guy turns it down, so he has to end up fighting him and, and dealing with him that way. But he's willing to work with people. He never seemed to be doing that in Rebels. Uh, Barb, jump in here. Do you think there's a future for more Thrawn books? Um, from This is three. As Meg said, they usually come in three. To me, the the second one, the Alliance, kind of doesn't fit. You know, We have a character coming back. The lieutenant I mentioned, Eli Vanto, he's coming back to give Thrawn kind of a warning from his his old stomping grounds. Um, do you think this series probably could go more than three books? Is it something that might have a unlimited number? Uh, I don't know about that. It's hard to say for sure. Um, I think three books, as Meg said, is it's kind of, it makes sense. Um, you don't want to draw it out too much. Now I'm 
I'm really happy to hear that Eli Vanto is coming back because uh, I liked mm-hmm. his character in the first Thrawn book. Um, and after some of the reviews that I was hearing of Alliances, I haven't read Alliances yet because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be disappointed. But now that I mm-hmm. know that Treason is coming out, I feel like I need to play some catch up here because I really do like the character of Thrawn. Um, he's really intriguing. I loved him in Rebels. Um, I loved the first Thrawn book and how it was done. I just, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is a character that needs to continue in more novels after this third novel, or if we need to see him maybe in, you know, a full length feature film, who knows? I don't, mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what this third book will be like and reading the synopsis on it, like what it's about. It, it definitely sounds interesting, but uh, it's it's just hard to say. Yeah, the the synopsis and, and Meg alluded to the timeline talks about he is questioning his place in the Empire because his uh, Tide Defender project has been um, passed over, so they can go go with Krennic's Death Star, as we all know uh, from Rogue One mm-hmm. and just from the first original trilogy. The Death Star plans won out, um, but. I still kind of wonder, okay, the title is Treason, so sticking with you, Barb, do you think this treason is going to be against, you know, it kind of implies the Empire because that's where he is currently, but is it, could it be possibly treason against his old uh, his old community, the Chiss Ascendancy? Ah, oh, gosh, that's a hard call uh, because, because his uh, Thai project gets overlooked, is what it said, mm-hmm. um, in favor of Krennic's Death Star. And it seems to me that that would uh, justify a treason against the Empire. And we don't see him later. You know, all of the original trilogy Mm -hmm. happens after this. and We don't see him at all. And so, to me, it makes sense that it would be a treason against the Empire. Hmm. Yeah, that does. That makes sense. I I don't know. I am. The timeline kind of. Because it seemed to me that he, in Rebels, and it's maybe just one of those little quirks that it maybe doesn't fit or maybe there's an explanation that I don't know, but you know, it seemed like he went off to see the emperor right there before that last episode of rebels or last couple of episodes of rebels to try to get the, uh, tie defender program through. And he was, he was going to have to, you know, out debate critic or, or present, you know, have a better presentation. So to me, if he just found out about the tie defenders being passed over, seems like to me he returned immediately to um to to the rebels and and then was zipped off into what we're assuming is the unknown regions or yeah. somewhere in uncharted space so i don't know if there's time for this book as far as the timeline goes so that's the one thing i, I kind of question about the synopsis but i don't know all right let's go on to story number one number one Right, and these news stories just seem to kind of be feeding into each other. We were just talking about Rebels and Resistance, the new animated series that took kind of the place of Rebels, uh, is in its first season. We are 11 episodes in. I believe there's going to be a total of 22 in the first season. So we are about halfway through, and there's a break. They're coming back on January the 13th. So we thought it might be a good time just to just kind of talk in general terms, overall impressions, there might be some minor spoilers here, but we're not going to go in depth on all 11 episodes. We don't have time, but just general impressions of what's going on. And, and we'll start with Gina. Gina, just kind of give us your general impressions of Resistance so far and what's worked for you and what hasn't worked for you. Um, so I really like Resistance. It's actually the, um, the first cartoon, um, Star Wars cartoon, that I've watched since the beginning. So I jumped in on Clone Wars afterwards and I jumped in on Rebels in the middle and so I'm really proud of that fact that I I finally got one in the beginning um I really really like it there are small moments for me that don't work I listen to um Sky Talkers their um recaps Mm -hmm. a lot sister show there and um I believe one of the things that they noticed that was a low for them was uh how Kaz is uh, disguised as this mechanic and yet he doesn't know how to mechanic. Um, so right. I think that's one of the things that doesn't really work for me, but, but it's picking up and I, I like the show um, as a whole so far. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I like the Sky Talkers too because the the fact is not only is he not a mechanic, no one try, the person uh, Yeager who is kind of helping him with his cover, he knows that he's being a spy uh, and lets him work as a mechanic for him uh, to have a cover. Doesn't ever give him a manual or a, mm-hmm. tell him how to become a mechanic or help him. So that's Sky Talkers are always pointing that out too. I, I think, and that's a great point. No one's even trying to help him look like a mechanic, but they still keep giving him mechanic jobs, and he keeps screwing them up for the you know most of the first part of the fifth, first few episodes. So I totally agree with you on that, um, Meg. So uh, just general impressions. Do you have a favorite character or a favorite episode of what you've seen of Resistance? So I've only seen two episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good. I remember um, not to jump off topic too much, but like when the Clone Wars started, I remember like watching the first maybe season, and then it I kind of drifted away from it, and then mm-hmm. binged watched it. So that's my plan, and for now, since I've missed most of the episodes and there's going to be a break, I'm going to binge watch it probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, it didn't, the first couple episodes I saw, it didn't like bring me in like rebels did. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been able to connect to the characters yet. I think it's a really interesting concept. Um, I get why people like it. I just personally have not made that connection yet. So maybe mm-hmm. with more viewings, um, I will be able to, um, there were, I like that. The fa- I like the fact that they bring in some of the known characters, Captain Phasma, um, Poe, of course, mm-hmm. BBA, uh, General Leia, Organa, you know, all those are, they're there, but they're not in your face mm-hmm. all the time. So I do appreciate that. I really, I really do love that about the show. So I'm, I'm, I think I'm looking forward to seeing how the new characters and the, the known characters interact with each other. Um, but yeah, I don't, other than that, I don't really have like, like a really good or bad opinion about it yet. No problem, and and that's totally understandable. I, I will ask you. Said you you, know, you haven't connected to it like you did Rebels. Now, did you connect to Rebels like in the first few episodes too, or did it take a while to grow on you? Um, or you know, are you comparing? Because this is something I find myself doing. That's why I ask. You know, I had a little trouble with Resistance to start with too, because just being human, you know, by the time you get to the end of Rebels, there is there's so much there. And it's it's built. You've gotten invested in the characters. It, it means there's been some high points and some low points, and and it's 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 almost you know it's real com- completed or, or put together with a lot of different nuances. And then we have all that as a whole, and then we start comparing just the first few episodes of a new series, expecting it to be as good, which in my mind it can't be because it, you know it takes a little time to lay the groundwork. Some of my favorite TV shows of all time. I, I recommend people to watch them, and I'm always thinking, can they get through the first season? Because sometimes if you, if you get through that first season, suddenly you're invested, and then the second season they build on what they, they sort of laid the groundwork for. So I just kind of did Rebels. Were you into that from the very beginning, or did you just did it grow on you the more you invested in it? I th- hmm, that's a good question, and I have to think back. You know, it, it probably took me a little bit. It probably had to grow on me. Um, a little bit. I think with the excitement of like Star Wars being reborn, essentially, um, I was really like, I, I need to watch everything and and just mm-hmm. be you know in it. And so Rebels came out, I think, at a good time because of that. Um, so now that you know we're we're how many movies in and, and we're on our third animated series. So now I'm just, maybe it's a little bit of like, okay, I need to pace myself with, with things. So I'm sure as I watch it, I will probably enjoy it more and more as I take the time to watch every episode. I don't think I'm going to hate it. Cause I, I can't, I just, <laughs> it's not in me to hate anything Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I just think it'll be like a, taking it'll it'll be me taking my time with it and i think i will probably grow to to love certain characters more than others um and and yeah okay no problem um barb you know 
you can give us some of your impressions and what you like about it and, and favorite things about it too. And then and then kind of maybe also go into do you think that you want you know we're here at kind of a mid season. We've got we know we have one full season. Are you excited for more? Or are you sort of apprehensive about what the show the show's future is? It's hard to say. Um, I haven't quite gotten into it as much as I was into Rebels. Um, I've been watching it with the kids, and uh, sometimes I'm really paying attention, and other times I'm not. But I really love how they are. Um, I think either Megan or Gina had said this, that they're bringing in characters that we know and love. And in one of the last episodes, it was talking about, um, I think Kaz was talking about Kylo Ren and and then they were saying mm-hmm. how General Organa would want to hear all about that and I like these ties to the prequel trilogy I just that to me is really cool but I just I haven't found that love for it yet the way I did for Rebels so I'm just kind of mm-hmm. waiting for that to happen I don't I don't have any opinion as to whether it should continue or not because I just like I said, haven't seen it as much, but um, it's definitely a different animated series than Rebels was. Yeah, yeah, and um, I understand that. I've I've kept up with them. I watched them all, um, and just kind of a as a as a comparison. I don't know if any of you ever watched Veronica Mars. You know, Kristen Bell stars in that show. And I love that show. Love. I think I think Veronica Mars, the character in my book, is the best character of TV ever. That's just my opinion about that. Um, then I started watching The Good Place, which is a new show on NBC. It's been on mm-hmm. about three seasons now. Um, the The Good Place is a great show. It's got Tia Sakar in it in some of the episodes from from Rebels, who played Sabine. So you know, I always root for her when I see her. Uh, anybody that's kind of a Rebels alum or Star Wars alum, but. Um, when I first started watching that show, you know, I was sitting there expecting Veronica Mars, and she plays a totally different character than Veronica Mars. So it was kind of like, uh, and the humor was different. So I was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to like the show. But I will tell you this if you haven't watched The Good Place, watch the first season and get to the, I think, the 13th episode is the last episode of the season. It's got the best uh, kind of reveal of a season finale ever. So, uh, <laughs> and, it, and it, the, it could. I'm 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 surprised it hasn't been spoiled yet. It's kind of like one of those, you know, Kaiser Sose things from the usual suspects, you know. You, you got to see it before it becomes part of pop culture and and everything's Kaiser Sose um from the usual suspects. So watch that if you can. But anyway, when I was comparing it to expecting Veronica Mars, I was disappointed, but once I got into it and got past that and it built on itself, it's a really good show on its own. So I say all that to say I felt the same way when I watched the first few episodes of Resistance. Um, I try to think back to Rebels. Rebels had some silly episodes, you know. Even these are both aimed at kids, but they were seemed like they were even for younger kids more for that than than speaking to adults as well. When it started, uh, they had some bumbling Keystone Cop type, um, some um, <clears throat> Imperial officers that kind of were just the butts of the jokes and kept screwing up. And suddenly Tarkin came to town and those guys were beheaded right off, just barely off screen and things got serious. And then I think, you know, when, when Kanan and the, I guess the spark of the rebellion was, I think that episode where, you know, where they're trying to get a, a message out and, and they're using the, the big transmitting tower from the empire and Kanan kind of sacrifices himself as far as getting captured so that the rest can get the, um, the message out. It got a little more serious. And then of course, by the time we get to the second, season finale of uh the twilight of the apprentice you know i was watching that episode and it was hitting me this is really an awesome show so sometimes it takes a while to build like that and i kind of think that resistance actually has built a little faster than rebels is if you kind of look at it from beginning uh to kind of midway through that first season um we have we have had old characters come back um we've mentioned kylo ren we've seen phasma and the last two episodes, I guess ten and eleven, we and even even a little before that, when the one when they mentioned Kylo Ren, things are happening which which really lay the groundwork for some intriguing things to happen. Like um, there's a secret there's a secret world that the first order is kind of wiped off the map, and there's only two kids that survived it. Why did they do that? It's kind of the question now. And and Kylo Ren had a lot to do with that. So ooh, what was his part in that? Um, you know, we've had. Um, We've had 
the 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 daughter of the person who runs the Colossus, which is where it's it's it is uh, set, kind of starting to wonder, you know, what's up with Kaz? You know, there is something weird about him. He's not is he's not what he seems to be. So she her dad's in charge of it. So will she find out what he's like and and tell her dad or. Maybe she doesn't like what her dad's doing. Will she side with him? So there's these kind of intriguing things are being are are being threaded together, and I think it's it's made me want to see more. I think they've laid a great groundwork for some exciting things to come in the future. Uh, I also like the way it's animated. We have uh, we have red uh, clone, uh, well, red stormtrooper armor. We have Phasma's chrome armor. We have a gold one, and they all shine. We've had the Guavian Death Group uh, gang come on board. Just the way they kind of showed this. The armor shining, I think they do a great job with with light and how it's they animate it. So all those things, I'm really excited about the future of Resistance. And I recommend anybody who's kind of like, well, it hasn't grabbed me yet, stick with it. I think it will grab you as you go. Yep. Well, right now we're going to play a little game before we get into our closer work. We're going to play a little game of Lead, Follow, or Sacrifice. So basically I'm going to give each of our panelists three people they're going to pick one to lead they're going to pick one that they would follow and they're going to pick one that they're going to sacrifice so i'm going to start with meg and i'm trying to make it where these are kind of similar characters so it maybe make the choice difficult so Meg, okay i'm ready your choices are admiral holdo rose tico and Infus Nest. Oh, who are you going to lead? Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to sacrifice? Um. Oh gosh, this is hard. Um. All right, I think I, I think I got this. I am okay. going to lead Rose, follow Enfys, mm-hmm. and sacrifice Holdo. <laughs> <laughs> Man, she can't catch a break. She's actually <laughs> all like, the time. That's just in her nature to sacrifice herself, so I'm, I may as well do it for her. <laughs> you just like let the decision be made for you. She she does it anyway, so let's. Yeah. Okay. Right. Anybody got a problem with that order? Anybody want to push back against me on that? No, she's good. Thanks. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was waiting for her to sacrifice Rose and see how that went. Um. Yeah, Infus Nest. You can't. She's she's got so much potential. You can't. You can't get rid of. No. Her. All right, uh, Gina. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Your three are Hera, Mon Mothma, and Sabine Wren. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> um. Okay. I think I would. Oh wow, that one's really tough. I think. I, I try to do it. I would follow Hera. Mm-hmm. I would l- lead Mon Mothma, and I would sac- sacrifice Sabine. I feel so bad saying that. Mm. Oh my goodness! It's oh, a hard Sabine. choice when you've got three good ones. Yeah. I, well, I didn't want to make it easy. I didn't want to make it obvious. <laughs> of course not. I mean, Sabine though, she's so useful. I mean, she can do all kinds of things with weapons, and she's kind of grown into almost being a leader herself. Ugh. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I might have to sacrifice my moth. I mean, she did a great job getting it started, but we may have to let some other people carry the torch. But it is. It's a tough choice. Anybody else got any suggestions on that one? Nope, she's good. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to be put out there about sacrificing somebody that everybody loves. Okay, um, so we're down to Barb, and we've. I've given each of you three women, and I'm going to give Barb three women too, but I'm going to sort of change it to some of the, uh, you know, Imperial, uh, First Order, uh, Sith-type women. So we have Captain Phasma, Savage Ventress, and Iden Versio. Uh, wow. Okay. Um, I would... Gosh, that's a hard one. I know because none of these women, if you sacrifice them, they're going to fight back a little harder. You know, they're going to say, oh, "You ain't sacrificing me." So, follow Phasma. Mm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, lead Iden. Hmm. And sacrifice the third one because I can't think Savage. who she is. <laughs> oh yeah, she's the uh, 
she was in uh, Clone Wars. She was kind of the the Sith apprentice to Dooku. That uh, yeah, sacrifice uh, her. I don't like her. Okay, Barb, she's gonna come for you. Oh, I'm not scared. <laughs> Bring it on. She's not gonna take that line now. Um, I can see where you would do that from Clone Wars, uh, the novel, uh, Dark Disciple. Uh, really hum- uh, humanized her, so uh, it's a di- more difficult choice. Maybe if you read that one, which was actually a Clone War script that uh, the George Lucas's daughter had, I think, had written, um, and so they ended up, um, or did she write the book? But anyway, um, they rejected that, but turned it into a book, and it was really a good book, and it made her a little more likable, and you know, you could see the uh, the value of her also. So, but anyway, I understand that. Clone Wars only, yeah, you would sacrifice her. I understand. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate it, and we're everybody stick with us. We'll be right back with our close. All right. Welcome back for the closer look tonight. And tonight we're doing again the miniseries "What's My Line," and we're going to choose the pivotal lines of dialogue from our favorite characters, and we're doing Han Solo. So, um, this, everybody, as we go through this. We can just sort of, it doesn't have to be just three, it doesn't have to be in a certain order, but just sort of give me some of the, you don't have to tell me your favorite. Uh, we're going to save the favorite till later. You could throw it in there in the middle, you could throw it there at the beginning or the end. Um, you may not even throw your favorite in there at this part, but just give me two, three, four lines of Han. Let's just stick it, to, I guess, to three, limit to three. Uh, Barb, give me about three, if you have that many, Okay. lines yeah, from Han Solo. I, I definitely do, but we're not revealing our favorite one yet, is what you said. You don't you don't tell us which one's your favorite. You could throw it in the mix. It could oh, be okay. in it could be in the mix, or you could hold it back and, and do it however you want to do it. So don't announce this is my favorite. You can say it if you've got two or three others as well. Okay, uh, but I'll get, we will I'll come back th- at the end and get our favorite. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you three. Uh, starting okay. with number. I'll start with okay. Um, <laughs> no numbers. You're giving another. No, no, no. I know. Okay, so one of them is from The Force Awakens, and mm-hmm. it's. You know, his first line, it's Chewie, we're home. And everybody knows exactly where he is when that happens. And it's just, it's so epic because we haven't seen him in 30 years as Han Solo. Mm -hmm. And that line just speaks volumes in so many ways. So that was, that's one of them. And then, (laughs) yeah, this next one, uh, this comes from A New Hope. Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Uh, yep. yep. That, Tells us how he feels about that, for sure. Yeah. Well, the thing I like about that line is it, you know, this is the first movie, and it kind of really reveals what's going on with him and what he thinks about the uni- the galaxy and... Mm-hmm. Uh, where where he fits in the galaxy. So that's what I loved about that one. And then let's see, my third is <laughs> Empire Strikes Back. You mm-hmm. you like me because I'm a scoundrel. There aren't enough scoundrels in your life. <laughs> uh, that one yeah. just speaks for itself. Yeah, it's it's classic. It's great. <laughs> um, so okay, we've got we've got to oh, see. We had. Force Awakens, New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back represented there. Uh, Gina, let's move over to you. Can you give us a few of some of Han Solo's best lines? Okay, uh, so for my three, one comes from Solo, um, which is gonna, mm-hmm. which is I'm gonna be a pilot, best in the galaxy. Mm. When he's talking to the uh, Imperial recruiter, um, mm-hmm. the other one that I picked, the other two I picked, they're both from The Force Awakens, um, and the one is when he's uh, first talking to Finn and Rey. And it's, I used to wonder about that myself. Thought it was a bunch of mumbo jumble. A magical power holding together good and evil. The dark side and the light. Crazy thing is, it's true. The force, the Jedi, all of it, it's all true. And then my last mm. um, one is when he's talking to uh, Ben, Kylo Ren at the end. And he says, the face of my son. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm. Those are all yeah, really good. That one's really good. All right, Meg, if we haven't used up all of yours, what, what what would you like to add to the conversation? Well, I did have one that I share with Barb, um, <laughs> and that's hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side. Mm-hmm. Love right. that. Um, 
I love his quote from The Force Awakens. That's not how the Force works. Like, <laughs> you, can, you, you can use that in just everyday conversation. I just... I just oh, love yeah. that quote. It's just so funny. Every time I watch yeah. that movie, I'm like, yeah, I love that. And it contrasts what we just talked about, how he, you know, was, uh, you know, I don't believe in the force and the new hope. And now it's like, he's an expert on how it works. Yeah. He's a believer. Really around. Mm-hmm. Um, and my last one is, I know. Ah, I was wondering if anybody was going to put, say that. Now, does that not come across? as you know sort of cocky you know someone has professed their love to you and then you're just like i know or you seem to like it so i don't i'm guessing you don't take it that way what is it about i know that that you that you like and makes it one of your favorite lines from han solo because han solo doesn't need to say it back like (laughs) leia knows it i think already and he's like i know you know it and i know i Mm. know it so i'm just gonna say i know it's yeah. just this sort of like confidence about him. I don't necessarily think it's arrogance. I just think it's confidence, mm. and in in that moment, like, yeah, I just, I just yeah. love it. Yeah, it's and to me, you know, it's one of those things. You know, we live in a world where we a lot of times don't look at the, I guess, the intent of a person. If somebody says something wrong and and it checks off boxes of categories, it's just wrong. And sometimes. We don't look at, okay, is that really how they meant it or not? So I can see where somebody might go, well, he's just being a jerk. He's just being, oh, you know, kind of cocky and, and, and like, I know, you know, what's not to love about me. But, you know, we the thing about Solo is he's not, he, he, he portrays cockiness because he kind of has to, to sort of survive. But, and especially the Solo movie, you know, Solo, a Star Wars story, um, you know, at the beginning of that, and most of that movie, he's he's confident in his abilities, but he's also kind of, you know, he's he's not real arrogant about a lot of things either. And you know, when we first meet him in the in the cantina in, in A New Hope, he's worried. He's he's coming across like, oh, you haven't heard of the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> or you, have, you know, shit that's done the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs. He's all very bravado there, but then as soon as he gets alone with Chewie, he's like, oh man, this kid's really safe. He gets. You know, he he's he drops that facade and's like, ah, you know what? This could get us out of hot water with Jabba. Oh, I'm, you know, you see that his his insecurity or, or his vulnerability there, and kind of the same thing when they're in Cloud City in Empire Strikes Back before he is frozen. Um, he's really kind of intimidated by Lando. He, to me, the whole that whole thing looks like, yeah, you know, I do okay with the ladies, but Lando is good with the ladies, and so if he's got his eyes on Leia, I've got something to worry about. It's kind of his insecurities seem to. You know, it's subtle. Maybe I'm just reading into it. But to me, he seems insecure about her a lot of that movie. So I think, you mm-hmm. know, from what he said to her earlier in the movie, he does feel for her. He's been trying to tell her the whole time. And she's been rejecting it for, you know, legitimate reasons. But, you know, in the end, when it comes down to it, and this might be the last time she sees him, she has to let him know how she truly feels. And, and he kind of like, it's almost like he's saying in a nice way of, you know, I know you, you, you put up a front because of the situation we're in, but... Um, you know, I do, you know, I, I know, I know. So, uh, but I was kind of wondering if some people might not like it because of, of how arrogant he seems. Um, that's his appeal. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some guys can, I've never been the guy that could be, could do that, but some guys can. Some guys Um, can pull it off and he can. Yeah. And isn't that the line that like Harrison Ford was like, I'm gonna say this instead of "I love you too." Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think it was something that Harrison Ford took liberty with saying. Uh, like I've heard that before as well. I don't know mm-hmm. all of the behind the scenes on that one, but that's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. That's what I've heard too. Yeah. Um, just some other lines. Uh, it's a ship that made the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs. I've outrun Imperial starships, not the local book cruisers mind you i'm talking about the big Karelian ships now she's fast enough for you old man <laughs> you know just him telling you know, him bragging on the, the falcon uh, of course over my dead body as he's about to you know be shot or shoot uh greedo yeah um it's not upset to a it's not wise to upset a wookie is a good one um who's scruffy you know, looking one, <laughs> who's scruffy looking 
one that uh, you know I think really tells a lot about him too is never tell me the odds. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's just gonna, and we kind of have that in the Force Awakens too. And he's like, I never, I never ask that question until I've done it. Like, can it be done? I don't ask that until it, it's done. So yeah. he's just gonna, he's gonna believe in himself regardless of what um, the odds or experience from other people tell him. So, um, those are all real good. I was kind of wondering, and I was pleasantly surprised to see Gina say something from Solo because I kind of looked through it intentionally because all the ones that came to my mind were from uh, the original trilogy and The Force Awakens. So, um, there is a couple, and there's one. It's like he first sees when Lando says, "You have it bad for the Falcon." He's like, "It's mutual. Trust me, she belongs with me." So I kind of like that one. <laughs> yeah, that was a um, good one. And one that kind of, you know, showed us how he felt, especially kind of in A New Hope, is uh, when Proxima is asking him, you expect me to think you got away with nothing when he's when he's coming in late after curfew and saying, you know, I just barely got out of there and I didn't get what you wanted me to get. And he's like, well, I ran away with my life. I think that's something. To me, that's a lot. So, you know, putting that fo- for- focus on his life and, and, and kind of covering his own butt and saving his own tail, which he... He starts to do it a new hope and of course turns around and has his heroic moment. So um are there any other lines that anybody could think of before we go on to what our favorite is? I think you about covered all of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well with that being said, uh we will start again, Barb. Well, actually we started with you last time, so let's go backwards a little bit. Let's okay. go with Meg, I think. Was that the last person? What was your favorite, Meg. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's such a good line, it's Meg. So it simple. really is. Yeah, it and it's perfect though. It it adds to his his swagger and yeah. The solo swagger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, I I'd love that line too. As as a kid, just it just seemed cool. Uh, so yeah, I agree with y'all on that one. Gina, what is what is your favorite line? Uh, mine is the face of my son. I'm a I'm a pretty big mm-hmm. uh, Ben Solo fan. Uh, he's what got me into Star Wars, like the whole uh, franchise in the first place. And I really like that line because, like like Han has this vibrato and this confidence and this cockiness, but in this moment, it's mm-hmm. just vulnerability. And it's someone who isn't like this big war hero or this big smuggler. He's just a father who loves his son and is pleading for his son to come back to him. And the way Harrison Ford delivers the line and even going as far as like with the lighting and when he, he like touches the side of his face. But, and, but even just the line, I think it is one of the most like heart like shuddering moments that there is mm. yeah barb what is your favorite uh so yeah when i was listing them off i definitely saved the best for last which is <laughs> you like me because i'm a scoundrel there aren't enough scoundrels in your life and i i mean maybe you know i'm a woman and it just there's something about that line that just grabs me but it's also it adds to his character to be you know it, it's almost not that he's seducing Leia, but he's really mm-hmm. trying with her, but he's trying in the way that only Solo can. And mm-hmm. so there's this cockiness behind it and this, yeah, it, all of Empire is just my favorite. And that line, along with, you know, Megan's line of, I know, um, just the romance between him and Leia and Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. So I love that mm-hmm. line. It is. Those are all the good. I I like I know a lot too. Um, I guess I'll. I don't know if it's my favorite or if him when he is talking about doing the castle run in less than twelve parsecs and he's outrun you know the imperial cruisers and um, you know it's fast enough for you, old man. It it just sort of boils down to what he is um, and. What he is is a good pilot, and other things he may have to indulge in or embellish how good he is at things. Um, I don't think 
he's much of a ladies man so as far as him pursuing relationship with leia i don't you know like i said i think he's insecure around lando with that things like that uh but you know he's the one thing that he is he's he's got that castle run that no one's ever going to top and he is he's he, he does it on a regular basis even though he at one point does have to say yeah even i get boarded sometimes jabba but he um he's got one thing that he's good at and as we've seen in other movies too it kind of gets uh fleshed out that you know he he wants to be a father he wants to be with leia but you know he always gets called back to what he is good at as far as smuggling and, and flying and, and outmaneuvering other ships and and that's that's what he is at his core. He wants those other things, but he's just not as good at them, I don't think. So mm-hmm. those are that that one is is why I like that one a lot. So, but uh, you know the discussion's not necessarily over. So uh, you know what do you guys think? You know just let us know. Drop us a line. Send us an email, a, a text. Uh, give us a call at. Uh, yay five two five nineteen seventy seven, and uh, let us know what you think. What is the best st- Han Solo line from Star Wars? And we'll be back in a little bit to wrap things up. So we're back, and we're Barb. Tell us what's going on. Well, uh, we still have Outer Rim Originals featuring Luke on crate. I have seen this print; it is pretty awesome. Uh, he's staring down the ATMX walkers uh, from crate, and this is done by artist Matt Hirons. I'm hoping these don't completely sell out because I would like to get one. It is pretty awesome. So make sure you jump on that. This is. Uh, limited run of 45 prints autographed and numbered by the artists. Also coming up from Outer Rim Originals, wait for Yoda, Luke, Holdo, and more. And you can check these out at OuterRimOriginals.com. Also, if you'd like to connect with us at Unmistakably Star Wars, uh, you can check us out on the Twitter at UnmistakablySW, as well as Instagram, or check us out on our website at unmistakablystarwars.com uh, or call us at 929-525-1977 that's 1977 again that's yay 525-1977 alright thank you Barb and to everyone else listening we thank you for hanging out with us this week so we absolutely consider you each part of our extended USW family and look forward to our time together each and every week Without each and every one of you, this pod could not continue to grow and thrive. So thank you for being a part of the Unmistakably Star Wars family. And we'd like to special, especially thank our patrons. So thank you to Brandon Boylan, Tim Capron, Derek Devaney, Dave Hackerson, Michelle Grandine, Neil Lowry, Mario Piper, Kyle Roussel, Regina Sanders. Hey, Regina, thank you. You're right there. <laughs> You're welcome. Connie Shee, Aaron Sinner, Krista Smolinski, Franklin Taylor, Michael Ward, Amy Wishman, and our mystery donor has been located. Thank you to the wonderful Esther for your sustained contributions. And, uh, I mean, I guess it means more, Esther, when it comes from Devin, because I don't really hate C-3PO, <laughs> but I will say it anyway. I don't know if it, if you get a discount because I'm saying it or what, but I love C-3PO. So your financial investments allow us to expand our reach and the quality of programming we bring you. We know it's a sacrifice, and we are humbled and honored to be the beneficiary of your financial commitment. And if you're not yet part of the extended USW family, we've got room for you. And if you consider making this the month to say, you know what, my family can skip a meal a few times a month. You know, those dirty dirty scavengers are thankless moof milkers anyway. Or maybe just for going one luxury cup of coffee and redirecting those couple of dollars or euros, or pounds, or Aussies. To become a USW patron, we promise you every little bit helps, and we'd be honored to be the benefactor of your generosity. So again, thanks everyone for joining us this week. Uh, Next week, we will continue our What's My Line miniseries with, guess who? We've done Luke, we've done Han, Leia, 
Um, right about this time, Devin will usually say something about uh, take care of my little tauntauns and the circle's now complete. <laughs> I don't have a catchy phrase or anything like that, but we're glad you, you came and y'all come back now. You hear? <laughs> Unmistakably Star Wars is a member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. Explore more great content and get to know our sister shows at WeAreEscapePods.com and on Twitter at WeAreEscapePods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.